Within each and every one of us resides the eternal and sacred soul. By awakening to our soul and striving to live in alignment with our soul's purpose, we can live extraordinary lives beyond conditioned limitations. Join us, your co-hosts, me, Katrina Slade, and Jennifer Helwing, as we explore and discuss this path of living in alignment with the sacred soul. This is the Sacred Soul Podcast. Welcome back to the Sacred Soul Podcast. This week, Jen and I are adding on to our chakra series, which we've done several episodes of deep dives into the chakras. And in season one, we've done uh, several episodes that were sort of just an overview of the chakras. And if you haven't heard those yet, we recommend you go back. And today we're talking about the solar plexus chakra. And one of the most common wounds that we see in our clients is the worthiness wound. Yeah. So we talk a lot on the podcast about things like inner child healing and shadow work, and that's definitely the foundation for healing all these deeper wounds. But I find that specifically with self-worth and worthiness, that a lot of that deeper healing work, although that's what needs to be done first, it eventually has to be translated into changing the ways that we actually live our lives, right? Because the solar plexus is very action oriented. It's very external. It's very much um, it can be seen and measured by our behavior, the ways that we take action or don't take action in our lives. So that's kind of the next step with healing self-worth is, is changing our behavior. But it's really important that we don't start there, that we start with understanding the deeper wounds first. And so we're going to talk about both of those aspects of healing the worthiness wound. today. Yes. So. Like I said, if you haven't heard the other episodes about our chakras, we recommend you do that. And, you know, you don't really have to go in order, but it does, it does help if you sort of start at the root and listen to the root chakra episode and then go forward from there. So with that said, Jen, can you tell us more about the solar plexus and self-worth? Yeah. So let's just start by talking about, because I know we, we always talk about the divine feminine, right? On the podcast. Um, so the, the solar plexus would represent kind of the seat of the divine masculine within all of us. So no matter who you are, you're going to have a certain balance of both energies. And the, the kind of goal for any human being is for those energies within us, no matter what proportion they're in, to be in harmony rather than in this war. <laughs> and so what I kind of see energetically with a lot of people is kind of the sacral in the solar plexus, sort of in this war where one is winning over the other and then the other is winning. And it's kind of this battle back and forth. Um, and so a lot of this stems from an unhealed divine feminine. So if you're somebody who leans more towards the feminine side of the gender spectrum, then healing your divine feminine energy first is essential to healing your divine masculine energy which naturally thrives within us when our feminine energy is fully embodied. I just always like to bring up, I know I've brought it up before, but the symbol of the yin and yang, you know, that the black mm -hmm. and the white is balanced and there's a part of each within the other. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It's if, if one is over is overwhelmingly present and the other one is diminished, um, you're not going to, be living a, as a healthy and well-balanced life as you can. And this is, you know, true for your 
mental state, your emotions, your physical health and your life satisfaction and all of that. So, yeah. So let's, so let's talk a little bit more about this kind of worthiness wound. And it's really funny because I think that like a lot of these wounds, right. A lot of them are pretty subconscious. A lot of people can actually go their whole lives with quite a strong worthiness wound and not even necessarily realize it. So I'll try to explain it in really simple terms so that you can understand for yourself how that shows up in your life, because I think it shows up in all of our lives to some extent, Um, but it will, it will show up quite differently for everybody. So a really simple way that I like to think about kind of the the self-worth energy. It's this inner divine masculine energy. And it really represents our self-discipline, our self-value. So like our ability to value who we actually are. Um, It's our ability to kind of go after our dreams and take aligned action on the things that are important to us. It's also our inner fire. And so it can show up very much as things that we're passionate about, the things that we really care about and the things that we prioritize in our lives. So priorities come into play there as well. Whereas the feminine energy, the inner feminine, you can kind of see it as our self-compassion. So it's our ability to actually kind of, in a way, it's a little bit like the opposite. It's about um, showing compassion for ourselves when we fail or when we feel tired, we need to back off and rest It's our ability to see ourselves and all of our imperfections and welcome all of that with love. It's our ability to kind of mother ourselves. And so I think both of these kind of inner energies that I'm talking about relate a lot to the concept of reparenting ourselves. Have you heard of that concept, Katrina? Yes. And I think a lot of people who grew up in families with parents that were not very nurturing um, would especially find this concept really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so you have this kind of inner masculine, inner feminine, it's like these inner parents that you kind of have, um, in yourself. And so when one of them is really loud and the other one is almost like not there, you know, that you have an imbalance between those two chakras, the solar plexus and the sacral. I hope that makes sense. I hope that's kind of a a fairly simple overview of that explanation. You know, I've never thought of that before, how you're relating it to the parents, like a mother and a father. Mm -hmm. Like that makes a lot of sense to me right now. (laughs) My mind is like exploding. Yeah. So let me try to give some examples because I feel like, yeah, I feel like some examples might be helpful here. So, okay. So let's say I'm, I really like to use this because I think it makes a lot of sense, but let's say I have this daily meditation practice that I really want to do every single day. Okay, great. That's awesome. So my inner mother or my inner divine feminine parent might be like, oh, you know, if you're not feeling well, or if you're feeling tired, then maybe you need to just sleep in. Maybe that's more nourishing for your body instead, right? Mm-hmm. And that's great. If you have too much of that energy and not enough of the other one, the masculine, then it might look like totally never meditating at all because you always have a reason why you don't feel good. You always have a reason why it's too hard and you just don't end up doing it at all. Right. Like not sticking to your, not sticking to your goals and your plans. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, even though this meditation practice is really important to you and you value it, you're not able to uphold your own values because you're valuing comfort and security more 
than that value. And so this is like oftentimes in a way, this is kind of a mother wound where people who didn't really feel that sense of safety and nourishment and comfort from their own mothers can tend to overindulge in that in themselves, where they start to kind of prioritize comfort, but at the expense of all of their goals, all of their dreams, and all of the things that actually are important to them, right? Mm, So then we can look at it the opposite way, where if you have too much of the masculine energy, too much of that, or a wounded inner, inner masculine parent, you might force yourself to meditate at the exact same time every single day. And you keep telling yourself, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And if you don't do it, you feel super guilty. You like, there's a voice in your head that's just criticizing you. And like, you're a bad person. You're, you know, you're so not worth whatever this goal is. And that kind of energy would be this wounded masculine, inner masculine voice. A lot of the kind of wounded masculine voice shows up as a motivation where we're trying to overcompensate for a feeling of low self-worth. We're going to talk about that a lot today. We're going to dive really deep into that. But for example, if I have this daily meditation practice, I have to ask myself why, like, why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? Is it because I want to post on Instagram? Look at me. I'm meditating every single day. Look how spiritual I am. Or is it because you want to be able to tell yourself at the end of the day, um, I must be really spiritual because I've done this every single day and it makes you feel good about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of woundedness can show up in the motivation behind why you're even doing something in the first place. If these, both of these energies are healed or balanced within you, then this is what this practice would look like. It would look like checking in every day with your body. How are you feeling today? Is there anything that you need first? Any nourishment or exercise or sunshine that you need right away now, you know, yes, no. Okay. Then you can come into your meditation practice from a place of feeling good, feeling like you're taken care of your needs are taken care of, but you still show up because you say, this is still important to me and I'm still going to make time for this. So it's very much about balance. And then you might meditate every other day or most days, but you might have some days where you take off because there's a need that you need to meet. And you have to let that be okay and not shame and guilt yourself for that practice. And so when these energies are healed with this example, what it would look like is somebody who meditates from a place of just enjoying it, just wanting to do it out of joy, not out of some sort of egoic motivation, but just because they enjoy it and it's important to them and they want to do it. So that's how that would Mm -hmm. look like if it was balanced within a person. But of course, that's just an example this translates into the entire ways that people live their lives. Yeah. That reminds me of me because, you know, I've talked about my womb healing journey a lot, but before I went through a womb healing journey, which is essentially like divine feminine healing journey. Yeah. Um, I used to have that attitude. Like I need to meditate every morning. I need to go on journey and meditations every morning um, because I thought it was really cool and fun and I did it because I wanted to like, um, have soul growth and like evolve faster. I wanted to like yes. do everything faster Yeah. and I'm sure I was overcompensating for, for something lacking, but now I've learned, um, to have kind of a, I have a 
list of things I like to do in the morning and I'll pick one, you know, yes. like, like the today menu, I did Qigong. The menu morning routine. That's the absolute yes. best morning routine for women. Yeah. Yes. Cause you can <laughs> tap in and say, what do I need? Yeah. And like, what do I have time for? Cause sometimes I can spend two hours doing a morning routine and sometimes I can't. So, um, you know, journaling or, you know, whatever we're not, this isn't a, a podcast episode about morning routines, but I get to tap into my body and feel like, what do I need right now? And then um, sometimes meditation is the right choice. And sometimes I need to do something else. So that's something I've learned over the last um, year or so is. Yeah, no, thank you. That's, that's a really good example. Yeah. Yeah. And let's also talk about shame, shall we? Because shame is one of the, uh, I think it is the main wound of the solar plexus. It's like directly related to a worthiness wound and Mm self-worth. So it's just so impactful. And Jen, when you were speaking earlier about overcompensating for something you feel, um, what, how did you phrase it? Like something you feel lacking or something you feel insecure about. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's the whole uh, toxic masculinity. Like that's the whole basis behind that and toxic femininity, right? (laughs) Like, like just showing up in the world as like a character, like pretending like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I need to be like this. And just like putting all of your will towards like doing that because you think you need to be different than who you are, you know? Yeah, exactly. Katrina, you brought up something really important, which is that the self-worth wound can kind of show up in two ways. So the first one that you explained just now was this process of overcompensating, where we feel a place of lack within, right? So worthiness wounding is when you feel lack within yourself. And you're going to begin to overcompensate for that by kind of going to some sort of extreme to kind of make yourself feel filled or worthy in whatever area that is. The other way it can show up is collapse is the word that I would use. It's like under activation. It's where we give up really easily. We totally put our own selves and our values at the very bottom of our list, acting like the martyr, like you put everybody else before you and all these other things before yourself. And you have a really, really hard time actually asking yourself, what is important to me? And actually taking the time and energy to start prioritizing those things can be really hard if you've been in that state of collapse for such a long time. It's like a total lack of inner fire. And that really shows up a lot as depression, as like you think of um, when people feel really tired all the time, they don't know why. I've had so many clients complain that to me. I feel tired all the time and I don't know why. Well, what's important to you? right? Because if we don't, if we don't prioritize the things that are important to us, like really, really on a soul deep level, important to us in our lives, we're going to feel drained. We're never going to feel energized or fired up because most of our societies are not designed to actually make us feel joyful and inspired, right? On an everyday basis. Yeah. I also see a lack of joy in most of my clients. <laughs> they come to me and that ends up coming up in the reading or, or whatever, because mm-hmm. um, it's causing an issue in their lives. And I think that's, again, an example of how the solar plexus and the sacral are connected because um, joy is something associated with the sacral chakra. So this, like the joy, lack of joy and shame are kind of 
I'd say tied together in a yeah, way. Yeah, they perpetuate one another. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You kind of go into this black hole. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Jen, would you be able to just explain a little bit more deeply about the worthiness moon for our listeners? Yes, I think it's important to talk about where it comes from and also the fact that it's inevitable. So when we're children, we are as brilliant as our souls. We're these bright lights and we're so full of all of these beautiful divine qualities. And what ends up happening inevitably, so we don't necessarily want to blame our caregivers, but we need to understand that our caregivers can only mirror and support the qualities within us that are not already blocked within themselves, right? So if we're born as these beautiful, brilliant, expansive souls and our caregivers, you know, inevitably are going to have some wounding and some blockages, there's going to be parts of us that are not mirrored, parts of us that are suppressed and criticized and parts of us that feel like they don't belong or they don't fit into that family unit of what's acceptable. And of course, this kind of continues as we get older to all of the people who are around us as children and then our societies. And then, right, so that bubble kind of keeps getting bigger. And we kind of have this feeling of losing parts of ourselves. Like we kind of abandon or lose all these parts of our soul as we grow up and get older, right? And so it's kind of like we have this feeling, all of us have this feeling. This is related to the core wound of all people have this feeling that something is missing, right? It's this feeling of lack somehow internally. And that's the root of the worthiness wound. It's this feeling that we are not enough somehow or something is missing within us, within our lives. Of course, if we feel like something is missing within our lives, it's really just us projecting that something's missing within us, right? So that's kind of the, the subconscious root to where it all comes down to. So what ends up happening is we end up taking this icky feeling of loss and like something is broken or missing and we turn it into some kind of false belief about ourselves. Like, well, I'm not smart enough to be loved or I'm not um, pretty enough, pretty enough, or I'm not like whatever it is good um, enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not safe enough. You know, other things like nobody will take care of me. I have to take care of myself. That's a really common one. That was mine. Um, These feelings of deep, deep, deep mistrust and, and belief that we are broken, that the world is broken. There's this like brokenness. And so then that begins to evolve into this worthiness wound and essentially an entire life, an entire lifelong journey of somehow overcompensating and going back and forth often between overcompensating and collapsing, overcompensating and collapsing. And that's kind of what our personalities are in a lot of ways. Like our, our human kind of personalities, we also call this the ego mind. It's how you learned to overcompensate for your deepest, darkest fears. That's what our personalities (laughs) are, right? It's this image that we have of ourselves and this person that we try to be to somehow protect ourselves from our deepest, darkest fear coming true, which is that somehow we're broken and not enough. Does that make sense? Wow. That's really powerful, Jen. You're so brilliant at explaining this. 
I'm glad it makes sense. <laughs> yes. It's kind of, it's a lot of like deep stuff, right? So I'm just trying to it explain very it, deep. hopefully in simple terms, but um, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, yeah. the process of understanding your deepest spirits, understanding what you're overcompensating for, understanding why your personality is the way it is, is what we call the process of ego integration and um, personality integration, that kind of stuff. I think we talked about this in our previous episode when we were talking about the realms. So this is the task of the middle realm. It's the human task yeah. to integrate our ego, understand our personalities. And this allows us to kind of be better people, right? So that's why it's really important to prioritize this kind of stuff, even though it's not, not always comfortable. It feels icky sometimes. Yeah. While you were talking, Jen, it made me think of um, something that came up in a reading I just had this morning uh, with a client. We, we were talking about how she was depressed as a teen. Like she just suddenly started becoming depressed as a teen. And um, I did too, <laughs> you know, like I really was too. And I think a lot of, especially teen girls go through like a difficult transition into puberty. And I'm realizing this now, I think it's because that's when the, I'm not good enough. That's when they transition from pure, innocent child to, oh, I'm being conditioned. Now, now I'm going to be conditioned by society and by my culture to tell me I'm not good enough. Yeah. That's really, really, really good point. I would say that that point, exactly what you're talking about is when you know, yes, we've received the conditioning from our parents. We've received some conditioning from society. We haven't really realized it. And we, we probably won't till yeah. we're adults and we're doing a lot of healing work. Yeah. But in that teenager time, this is when we're forming our identities. So what's going to happen is all that, un, you know, subconscious conditioning and all of that, suddenly we start to do it to ourselves. We start to actually perpetuate those things, those stories of brokenness, of not enoughness, but we start to actually do it to ourselves. We start to suppress and criticize ourselves from all the subconscious stuff that's been building up to this point. And when we, when we do that, because we're teenagers, we're forming our identities, it becomes our entire identity. So our entire identity is formed around exactly what you said, yeah. which is I'm not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really sad to see. And I used to work with middle school and high school kids mm -hmm. when I was a teacher and it was really hard to see the wounded self starting to come out and it's really sad. And yeah, let's just talk really quick about the parent element because mm -hmm. I know we mentioned it several times, but we're inheriting the unprocessed shame of our parents. So this is the worthiness wound, the unprocessed shame that they have been carrying from their parents and from their parents, you know, back yeah. and back and back. It's nobody's it's fault. Both. Exactly. It's just, no, it's not. It's the way it is. And we, so yeah. we can wake up and we can start to intentionally heal from it. Yeah. Like there's a saying that just because it's not your fault doesn't mean it's not your responsibility. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that once we become conscious enough to recognize that this is going on, we have the responsibility at that point to do that work on ourselves, to heal ourselves. Yes. Yeah. It's like, I always visualize it like you're care like anything ancestral that you're carrying, <laughs> like you're carrying a backpack that's yours. And then you're also carrying your mom's backpack and your dad's backpack, mm -hmm. but also both of their parents 
and then however many others. And it's so much weight. It's weighing you down and it's not yours, but you're carrying it. And it's hard. It makes life harder walking through life with that much baggage. So, and even just realizing that can be so powerful, can't it? Like, I think, I think almost every single one of my clients has told me when I really questioned them, okay, tell me about your grandfather. Okay. Tell me about your great grandfather, great grandmother, whatever. Like if we go back enough, there's, oh yeah. So-and-so was severely traumatized in the war or yeah. So-and-so was super violent and like beat their kids. Right. It just seems like there's always something that kind of goes back. And then when they realize that they're like, oh, I never thought that that affected me. But then they start to realize, oh, well, that's why my parents are wounded. And so that's why, right? And so they start to realize they're like, oh, it can be really healing and it makes forgiveness a lot easier. Yeah. Yes, actually, I just had a message from a client that was really thanking me because in a reading uh, I did for her, um, she wanted to know about her relationship with her mother, which has been difficult. And I came through her Kashic records that, the purpose of that relationship is to teach her empowerment, which is related to the solar plexus chakra. And she sent me a message because since our reading, they've had a falling out and there's been some sort of like major issue in the relationship. And she's used the word estrangement. And I was like, oh no, but she mentioned it because she feels so equipped to understand this from a higher perspective. And she understands that this is what she's meant to learn. She's meant to learn a sense of empowerment. And so I'm really glad that she had the reading when she did, because now she has this awareness that this is the purpose of this, right? This is what I meant to learn. um, Empowerment. So oftentimes we do have these difficult relationships and they are opportunities to learn empowerment. So disempowerment is the opposite, right? Like we can be disempowered yeah. by experiences and especially people in our lives or even just from passing encounters, you know? And that's when um, it, it's just good to be aware of, of people's effects on us. And it's something we can heal. Like we're going to talk about healing later on in the episode, but just wanted to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, really so, so, so true. And such a, such a good point as well. When we have that higher perspective, I mean, really that higher perspective is, is the sole element, right. Of any healing journey. It allows us to actually move through it instead of just around it and trying to avoid it and suppress it and all that fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, so now we're going to dive into kind of this overactive and underactive expression of this worthiness wound. And then as we do that, we're going to also talk about how to kind of heal and rebalance for each of those sort of different expressions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's start by going a little deeper to what we started talking about before, which was this overactive energy or this overcompensating energy. So this energy is going to be very aggressive. It's going to feel like your inner critic is on fire all the time, screaming at you all the time. So we see this a lot in people who struggle with perfectionism. Um, On the Enneagram, somebody who struggles with this particularly would be a type three, which is called the achiever. Um, Mm -hmm. It's also... That's me. I'm a four wing three. (laughs) Yeah. It's also called um, workaholics, like these types of people. 
And don't get me wrong, like if this is you, you probably have done a lot of great things in your life and you've probably achieved a lot of really beautiful things. So sometimes even if we're acting from a wounded place, it can still produce these beautiful things. And so it's not necessarily about changing what we're doing, but it's about changing why we're doing it, right? And so I think that if you have any of this in you, this perfectionist, this critic, this achiever type, um, somebody who's really motivated and fired up all the time, that your goal is not to stop doing that, but your goal is to change the motivation behind why you're doing that so that you can achieve all these really beautiful and great things without having a period of collapse when inevitably it's never enough to make you feel good about yourself, right? You achieve all these things. I never feel good enough about myself. So I keep having to do more and more. You're going to have a burnout. You're going to have a collapse. And we talk about this in other episodes too. Um, For a lot of people that manifests as the body starts to scream at us. Hello, chronic illnesses, right? Hello, unexplained health problems. Um, That often will come up for these types of people because that's the only way their bodies can get them Mm -hmm. to pause and look deeper, right? That that happened to me once. Um, Well, it have to be many times, but I wanted to mention this in the solar plexus episode that um, one time I I had just moved to Korea. I had started a new job. I didn't have any friends. I had to make all new friends. I had all new students when I, this was when I was a teacher and it was really hard work. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, at the very beginning of my time there, I developed a breakout of eczema around my torso and I had never had that happen before. And I didn't know why. And it wouldn't go away. I just thought it was like a regular like hives thing. It wouldn't go away. So I had to go to the doctor and they diagnosed me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was because I was going, going, going and like pushing myself or pushing myself to like be a good, like be the best I could, you know, right. and like prove my worth to the new school I was working at. And I believe, you know, the body that was a very soft scream, but mm-hmm. later on, there's been lots of other major screams. Right. Um, but I think it wasn't the right time for me to become aware of all the, the underlying issues, but it, yeah. it'll happen eventually. <laughs> you know, yeah. it did for me. It does. Eventually it will come around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. What you described was such a perfect illustration of this idea that when we're doing this overcompensating, right. It's like we get stuck in this rush, this almost unconscious rush to achieve whatever we think is going to make us more valuable or more accepted or whatever it is. Yeah. And so in that kind of rush, we become so separated from ourselves that Mm -hmm. we actually lose touch with what our real feelings are, what our real interests are, like what's actually important to us, who we actually are. We become totally separated from that. And I really think that all illness, whether it's like physical emotional, mental, spiritual, whatever, is some sort of separation from the self somehow. Mm -hmm. And so exactly that's like, you know, that makes sense that in that state, our body would start to scream at us because it's asking us to get back in touch. It's asking us to look Mm -hmm. inwards and reconnect and actually look deeper and start to explore. Like, who am I? Like, what do I want? Right. I find like, yeah, because when we're stuck in that state, it can be so hard to, to pause long enough to actually evaluate if you're just doing this because you think you have to, or because it actually is what you want to be doing. Yeah. This reminds me of um, that quote I've heard, and I'm sure lots of listeners have heard it too. Um, 
I can't remember how it goes, but it's like, you're a human being, not a human doing, mm-hmm. right? Like <laughs> be instead of do so much. Yeah. It's, it's that's when we talk about balance, that's what we mean. So I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, uh oh, that sounds like me. <laughs> um, I know I've I've been in that position many times, and I still am sometimes. You know, that's just part of the human experience. But Jen, what would you say would be some good suggestions for healing that? The first thing that's really really helpful is to start looking inwards, and a really great way we can do that is by looking at our values. So really starting to ask ourselves what are my values? Like what are the most important things to me in life? And when we start to look at that, and especially when we start to look at the types of people who we value, we have to really ask ourselves some hard questions about whether our values are actually matching who we truly are at a soul level. And so let me explain that a little bit more. If you're someone who values people who are like really extroverted and always in the spotlight and really high achievers with these like six figure, you know, entrepreneur, like all of that, right? You value, see that and you go, wow, I value that so much. But then who you are genuinely on a soul deep level is a writer, an artist, somebody who's really quiet and sensitive and deeply emotional But then the other thing that I said is what you value, your whole life is going to be disconnected from yourself. Your whole life is going to feel like you're never enough ever. And Mm -hmm. so what we need to do is really genuinely and with a lot of honesty, look at ourselves and be like, am I actually valuing who I actually am? Right? Like, am I actually valuing the fact that I'm super sensitive? Am I actually valuing the fact that I'm introverted? And I need to be alone. Am I actually valuing the fact that I'm a beautiful writer, but maybe I don't do that well with public speaking, right? So I think for a lot of this kind of stuff, a really great first step is just looking at your values and just checking in to see if you're valuing who you actually are. And to figure out who you actually are is obviously a process. So if you've been in the state for a long time, you might not have a clue who you actually are, but it can be a really beautiful experience and journey to discovering that if you're willing and open to it. Yeah. That reminds me so much of like several different common out common avenues people take in their lives. So like their parents pressure them to do a certain career. And so they go for it. Like, let's just say it's a lawyer. So they go for it. And then like one month into their lawyer career, after all of the studying and all the, you know, stuff, they, they know it's not for them, you know, like certain people, I've heard a lot of stories of women who are in the corporate world and they're trying to climb the ladder, you know, everyone says climb the ladder and then they, they burn out either their body screams at them and they can't do it anymore because of a health problem or they get pregnant. And then they realize what their, um, values really are, you know, or, or whatever, or, on the flip side, I've seen so many women who place their whole personality into mothering because maybe that was what they felt like, oh, I'm not good enough unless I'm the best mother, you know, and then they lose themselves in that. And then they get to be like their t- kids get to be teenagers. Maybe they're more independent. And then they're like, 
they have an identity crisis because they're like, well, yes. who am I now yeah. that my kids don't need me as much? Like, who am I? So I think these are sort of examples of what you were just saying. Now, also, I would say that that lack of connection to our feminine energy is what's causing the, the wounded masculine to be running the yes, show, right? Exactly. Like doing, doing, doing. Yeah. So if this resonates with you, with all of what we're saying about this overactive solar plexus energy, overcompensating, always doing is resonating with you, then consider looking into divine feminine healing, feminine energy, connecting inwards to that aspect of your essence that has been suppressed because by doing so you are counterbalancing the overactive masculine. Like, I think you actually mentioned that earlier, Jen, like, like they're kind of, it's kind of like a scale, like there's two sides and like one's the masculine, one's the feminine. And one can be way overbalanced and the other one can be. So you have to sort of put more energy into the other to balance, to balance the both. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a good point for sure. So let's talk about the second expression of this, which is, I like to use the word collapse rather than underactive because the, and the reason for that is because what often happens with people who have a very strong worthiness wound is that it's really a back and forth. It's often a back and forth between what we were just talking about, this overactive overcompensating, and then these periods of collapse. And so it's usually not that you're one or the other, but it's usually that you have this wound and it will express in this kind of flip floppy back and forth way. Now these flips and flops can last years. That can happen too. But Ultimately, if you have a wound here, you're going to be experiencing both of these, not just one of them at a given time in your life. Yeah. And I would say different aspects of ourself can be in different flipping, flopping areas, you know, like. So let's talk about what this collapse state can kind of look like. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of people who struggle with this type of thing might seek to work with a somatic coach. They might seek to do nervous system work. And I think that's really, really, really great. But I also think that it needs to be done parallel to healing the deeper wounds and understanding the root of all of this in the first place. Because if we're just working with the body and we're just trying to have this regulated nervous system, but we're not willing to actually figure out why it was dysregulated in the first place, then the healing is only going to last so long. So I just wanted to comment that because I yeah. think it's kind of, you know, trending right now to have this regulated nervous system and that's not necessarily the path to lasting healing. And I just think that that's really important to bring up with this stuff in particular, because these types of people who struggle with this will often go to seek that as their answer first. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like if you want to pull a weed and you just pull the top half off or and like the roots are still there, you exactly. know, it's going to grow back. Yeah. So you're like, I want to like clear away the full entity or the full um, root of this problem instead of just tearing off the top. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about what it can look like. If we have somebody who has just been in this state where they've been like going, 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 doing, 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 and then like maybe they fail at something or they burn out of something or even they achieve something and then they realize that they still don't feel whole and complete within themselves. Mm -hmm. Then what can happen is we transition into this 
state of collapse. And so I can also call this like a self-worth hangover. And we get really depressed. You know, we might lock ourselves in our room for hours at a time or days at a time, um, totally checking out of the body, checking out of life, you know, binge watching TV shows, even like overindulging numbing. in foods. Yeah. yeah, it's numbing. Exactly. Um, but really what's happening on a deeper level here is we're kind of giving up on our dreams. We're giving up on ourselves and we're just letting ourselves go. Like we're just totally losing that inner masculine voice that's supposed to be there. And that's supposed to be saying, yes, this is hard, but you're still worthy no matter what happens. Yes, this is tough, but your dreams are still your dreams and they're there for a reason. You know, you can do this. It's like that voice that says, you know, maybe you feel like crap right now, but you can go for a walk. You can do 20 minutes of yoga and then get back and do that after, right? So when we have totally disconnected from that voice and we have no sense of self-discipline, no sense of motivation, total disconnection from our ourselves, then we can get stuck in these states for a long period of time. It can also be like um, feeling overly tired for weeks, days at a time. I have, you know, people tell me like, oh, Jen, you know, I've been resting like I'm supposed to, and yet I still feel exhausted. (laughs) Right. So you're, if you're, if you experience that you're going through this hangover, like it is as a hangover, your body has been pushed too far. And now it's, it's getting stuck in this state of like exhaustion and Mm -hmm. collapse. I like to use the phrase dimming our light. Like you're dimming your light when you're, when you're in that state. Yeah. Um, sometimes we can dim our light because we're afraid of stuff, but also it's like, like, let's say your solar plexus is like your personal power, your, your energy. It's like, you take the dial and go, and you're yes. like it down and you're not expressing yourself fully. You're not allowing yourself to be yourself and to express yourself fully. So you're kind of playing small. You're just going through the motions. You're oftentimes this is like passivity. So maybe you'll say yes to things when you know, in your heart, you should say no, because you're just going along with things, you know, you're not standing in your power. Exactly. So that's like, that's like when the collapse becomes chronic, it becomes like this chronic state that you, you know, you can be in this sometimes for years and years and years of your life, you start to actually identify as this dimmed light. Yes. Like you, you might hear people say, oh, I feel bad. So I have to do blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. they have no power, they complete loss of power. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about how we can heal that. Yeah. So, so really a lot of this, I think Katrina and the work you've been doing with people work I've been doing with people. What's really helpful for people who are stuck in this state is to really work with that idea of personal power and kind of yes. reclaiming their power. I really love this phrase or this, it's a mantra, I guess. I call back my power across all timelines and places. I call back my power across all timelines and places, right? To really start to reconnect on that deeper and energetic level with all the times when you kind of lost or gave up on a part of yourself, whether that was like childhood or whether it was like just last week, you know, um, we kind of lose our power. We kind of, we give it away. We collapse. And so a lot of working with this energy is about kind of reclaiming and reconnecting again with that power. The way that I explain it to my clients is it's your inner fire energy. 
So I asked them, like, do you feel a fire in you or not, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, if we have this healthy solar plexus, it feels like a little fire burning in us, right? It's not like blazing. It's not taking over, but it's also not like um, burning out. It's this nice, healthy kind of little roaring fire that makes us feel excited to get out of bed in the morning because we feel passionate about things because we're going after our dreams and we're taking on challenges and we're able to go outside of our comfort zone sometimes. Not every moment of every single day because again, that's a lack of self-compassion, but we have this healthy little fire that's roaring and some people can't feel that. Some people actually feel like it's not there at all, right? Yeah. So when we start to work with reconnecting with that fire, um, a lot of like, body work is what I do with people. So it's kind of funny. It seems like, you know, Jen, you just said like, don't work only with the body, but here's the way I do it. So if somebody's in this collapse state, I'll tell them to take on a personal physical challenge. So like I want to be able to run in this race or something by the end of the summer, or I want to be able to swim across the little lake in my community by the end of the summer, or I want to be able to lift so much weight, right? Something that we can quantify because when we sometimes start to physically achieve this this growth, this um, improvement, on a subconscious level, we realize, oh, well, if I can physically do something that I thought I couldn't do, then maybe I can also mentally and emotionally do things as well that I thought I couldn't do. And so it can kind of bypass that collapse and allow us to sort of reset um, in our ability to kind of come to terms with the fact that we are actually powerful. A lot of us really don't like to believe that, or we feel totally disconnected from that concept. And so that's why I really love that as an activity that I recommend to people who are trying to regain that confidence. Yeah. Even for some people, it might be walking for half an hour every day. You know, it just, it depends on what's a physical challenge for you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I would suggest uh, from a flip side, so this is not necessarily from the physical exertion, but to to practice energy protection, because sometimes you're giving your power away and you don't realize it, or people are seeping your power away or external stimuli are um, filtering through the solar plexus and it's like really overstimulating. So I would recommend just as a, good practice in general is energy protection. So like Mm -hmm. bubbling, bubbling our energy. And we can talk about what that is um, maybe at the end. Yeah. And that might be a good practice. I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think energy protection goes so much farther than just like imagining that we're protected. It's also like the actions that we take, the ways that we learn to say no, right? That's a boundary. That's an energetic boundary where we learn to, yeah, we learn to not commit, overcommit ourselves to certain things, right? So there's like kind of setting those boundaries as well allows us to create this container from which we can have more energy, which we can then start to use for our own passions and our own things instead of just giving it away to everybody else. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also recommend um, if we're talking about ways to sort of heal the solar plexus or like balance the energy there, I'd recommend inner child healing because I honestly think all of us, like we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. you know, our parents did some cases, they did the best they could, some cases not, but 
there's probably a shame wound, an unworthiness wound originating from childhood. And our inner child has not healed from that unless we have intentionally done that healing. So I would say inner child healing is very important if you want to heal your solar plexus. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Jen? Yeah, I know exactly because that's what I was talking about earlier, which is that all of this comes down to this really, really, really deep core wound. It all comes down to the super deep core wound that we have um, that's very closely intertwined with our deepest fears and the subsequent personalities that we learn to express. So the farther back you can go into those earliest times when you lost these pieces of yourself, in these times when, right, because all of our wounds are just kind of a piece of ourselves that we've lost somehow based on something that's happened to us. So if we can go deep, you know, like especially with hypnotherapy or any kind of like really deep work. Like I also love these really intense breath work journeys and kind of really go back and kind of release a lot of trauma from childhood. Um, This kind of stuff where you're going back, you're going back to the roots, back to the original wounds. You're going to see a lot of transformational healing if you have the courage to face that stuff. And I get it. Like it's, it's really scary. Sometimes it can be easier to try to do something, you know, more simple and just like, I'm just going to ignore the, the roots of this. But if you really want to create healing that lasts, and I know we all do, I know we all want to be free, like actually free from our traumas. We have to face them. (laughs) We have to go into it. So, you know, working with guides, counselors, therapists to connect with that and face that shadow. It's so much better to do it with somebody than to try to do all of it on you. So now we're going to guide our listeners through a sacred practice that's going to help with um, healing from past times, past instances where we have had our power taken away or we've given our power away. And we're going to help guide you through this visualization to help you sort of ignite your, your inner power. So wherever you are, if you're able, to just close your eyes and drop in to your body for a moment. And just take a minute to reconnect with yourself, with your breath, with your own energy, feeling your own energy around your body. And I'm gonna have you say that mantra along with me that I mentioned earlier. And as we're going to do that together, I invite you to just allow any memories to come forward of times when you feel like you lost a little bit of your power, you lost a little bit of your confidence, your self-worth, your ability to love yourself or believe in yourself. So it could be something that happened today or last week or something that happened a really long time ago. So let's just invite our whatever is going to come through to start to come through now as we say this mantra three times. I call my power back across all timelines and all places. I call my power back across all timelines and all places. I call my power back across all timelines and all places. Allow one moment to come up 
for you that you need to call your power back from and drop into that moment as if you are there now. And I want you to imagine that you are there now and breathe into this little fire that sits around your solar plexus. So taking some really deep breaths to ignite that fire and take back your power. A few more breaths. And one more. So feeling that fire reignited and possibly saying something to yourself that is encouraging. Like, even though this happened, I still love and support myself and my dreams. Even though this happened, I know that I'm still worthy of love. Even though this happened, I choose to not give away any of my power. And so I'm gonna invite Katrina now to finish this practice with some energy work. So you're visualizing that fire in your stomach, in your solar plexus. This is your inner power. This is your pure essence, untouched by anything external. And now you see an orange light beaming out from your stomach out into the world. And at the back, beaming out back backwards and this orange light is going to envelop you now in a bubble like a shield like a force field around you it's growing and spreading from a beam into a bubble it's growing and spreading and it's totally encasing you now around your aura And you look around you and you see this bubble, this force field of orange light. And you know that it's protecting you and it's sealing in your power from anything external impacting you. You are protected and you are fully in your power. And now you can come back to where you're at in your present time and space. Oh, take a deep breath and release. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you're interested in learning more or connecting more with some of the themes we've discussed, we invite you to find out more at our Instagram. You can find us at Sacred Soul Healing Co. And if you want to connect more with me and learn more about what I offer, you can find me on Instagram, Katrina Slade Artist Intuitive or katrinaslade.com. 
And if you're interested in finding out more about me and how we can work together, I empower people to heal their own wounds and rise into their soul's true calling. You can find me at moonpathwellness.com or at wellnesswithjen on Instagram.